welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to After the Bell, brought to you by Connects Academy. Here at the Academy, we are committed to ensuring that schools and their staff are supported with as much training as possible to ensure children in their care are kept safe and are supported. This podcast is about safeguarding, so please be aware there may be something that causes you a trigger. If so, please take time out and seek support if you're affected by any of the content today. Our guest today joining me is Debbie Innes-Turnill, and Debbie has been a teacher for 30 years a lecturer at Birmingham University and is an independent safeguarding consultant. Debbie is joining us today to share the recent publication from NSPCC Education, focusing on learning from recent case reviews. So thank you for joining me today, Debbie. Great to have you with us. Hi there. So today we're going to be talking about the findings from the case reviews that are relevant to schools. And I believe that the NSPCC published this in February this year. So where shall we start with this? Well, uh, the document starts with reiterating the duty that all education settings have to protect children from harm. And I think the vast majority of our schools know this. And I, but I think it's important to re-emphasise the fact um, that in many cases it is school that is best placed to notice what is happening for children and young people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would agree with you there. How, how do you think schools should make sure that children and young people are being kept safe? I think you start by thinking about how you create that culture of safety. And for me, that's something more than being compliant. Having all your policies and procedures in place is really, really important. But it's the relationships and communication that is really key, building on, of course, on good quality CPD. Yeah, thank you for that. So obviously here at Connects Academy, we have a a raft of uh, safeguarding and pastoral care professional development. and, And these range from adverse childhood experience training through to domestic abuse and and how to um, manage children that have been impacted. We also focus on prevent bullying and substance abuses. That's just to name just a few that we have here. But it's sad that we actually have to have these conversations and teachers are having to be more and more um, sort of educated themselves around this. So what, yeah, I know, where do these issues come from? Well, these issues are based on um, child safeguarding practice reviews, and they were brought in in the in working together to safeguard children in 2018. Um, they replaced the serious case reviews that that were before them, and they are based on incidents, serious incidents where a child has died or been seriously harmed, and when abuse and neglect is known or, or suspected. So they're, they're the cases like. Sky Hobson, like Arthur Lebigno Hughes, where there's been something really big. Child and these reviews have been um, put together. What the NSPCC have done is looked at the ones that were published between 2020 and 2022, so quite a short period of time. And they also summarised some of the key points from previous reviews, but we'll we'll circle back to those at, at, at the end. 
it's important to remember when we're talking about what can sometimes go wrong that in mo many of the reviews that the NSPCC looked at, education was the source of stability and conti continuity in pupils' lives. And it was teachers, and for me that wouldn't just be teachers, it would be any key adult in school, were often identified as the positive relationship in a child's life. So whilst this learning is really important for schools, take from from this that actually schools are actually the the, the most important thing in some children's lives yeah and, and, and that, i think that's really reassuring to hear as well i think it, it's not all bad news stories that there is a lot of um great um practice that's out there and there's some exceptional educators who uh, you know are, are making sure that children are protected and looked after so we need to celebrate that as well definitely we do. What so what are the key issues that are mentioned in the briefing that have come out? So there were seven key issues that they they focus on. So one is where chill, uh, schools focus on a disciplinary response rather than a safeguarding response. The second one supporting children uh, was about supporting children with special educational needs. The third one was about recognising the causes and consequences of bullying. And you've mentioned that already, Georgie, in terms of the um, training and support that Connects can offer. Uh, the fourth one there is uh, building parent school relationships. And I know that can often be a really challenging area for schools. The, uh, the fifth one is information and multi-agency working. Then we've got lack of professional awareness and confidence. And then we've got the impact of COVID. And I don't think we're going to consider that one today. It was a really unique time, wasn't it? And the issues posed mm -hmm. have been well publicised, particularly through that case of Arthur Lavinia Hughes that I mentioned already. So we'll concentrate on the ones that now are, are useful for schools to think about. Yeah, the paper absolutely. then, sorry, Georgie, the, the uh, paper then mentions six ideas for improving practice. So they talk about recognising and responding to abuse, seeing the bigger picture, and that's a really important thing for all of us to think about. Recognising that concerns around behaviour and school attendance may be signs of abuse and neglect, responding to online harm and abuse and working with other agencies. And then finally, that really tricky one, working with parents. Absolutely. And, and that, that shouldn't be... It, it, we think about it, it all sounds very common sense, but actually if you start to unpack those areas that there's there's a lot of elements where things can go wrong. So actually it's making sure everyone knows what to do in those situations and, and how to sort of escalate upwards if they if they want to. There's quite a lot here. So where, where are we going to start? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I think there's a lot of areas of interest and, and they'll be very school specific depending on what your circumstances are what your intake is, what area you work in. Um, which one stood out to you, Georgie? I, th I think one that's quite surprising to me is the lack of professional awareness or confidence. I, I would have thought actually that that was something that wrongly I assumed we, we were now sort of um, covered off. So um, yeah, no, I think that one still stands out for me. I think I think for me it stood out as well. I think part of the problem is that it's 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 lack of confidence. I don't think it's lack mm -hmm. of knowledge. I think it's that you know people felt um, unequipped, particularly when there were really complex issues. And some of our young people 
present with those really complicated backgrounds or I mean for example I was in a school today and they were talking about some online issues that, that then spill into school and parental involvement in that as well and it, it becomes really complicated and at that point trying to unravel all, all the bits and making sure that each of the bits are resolved is probably where that lack of confidence comes from and I think there are always things that are coming up which means that we can often be on the back foot I mean online safety is certainly one of them there's new platforms all the time um, and it's about keeping up to date with all of that I think also it, I, there is a fear of doing something wrong or getting it wrong as well, isn't there? That people are concerned that they might be making a wrong assumption as well. So it is about having confidence and, and knowing that if they don't, if they call something out incorrectly, that actually that's not, that's OK as well. You know, it's better to follow up than not follow up, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think it's yeah. really important to, to to just to go with your gut a lot yeah. of safeguarding is about actually I think something's wrong here but I'm not quite sure what and that's where having those professional conversations with other colleagues is just vital really yeah back to communication again isn't it so what about another area Debbie what else would you say were highlighted or stood out to you I think one of the things that stood out to me was as the one about focusing on a disciplinary response. And this comes from um, the case particularly of Child Q that you might have heard of in London, where there was a young lady who um, was thought to have been carrying some drugs and ultimately she was strip searched by some police officers, which is really traumatic for her. And it has caused a whole, whole heap of problems for, for both the police service and the school. And I think what comes out of this is that at no point did anybody think, is this a safeguarding issue? And I work in a lot of schools and a number of those schools are, are beginning to say, OK, if somebody is behaving in such a way, is it because they are have some unresolved trauma? Is it because their needs aren't being met? And I think we need to just stop sometimes and think, why is a child behaving like that before we jump straight in with the sanctions, with the consequences and those sorts of things? Yeah, it's, it's a back, back again to making sure that you're not jumping to conclusions or assumptions as well. So, um, so do you think there are some golden threads that are running through these findings that we talked about? Yeah, I think there are. I think, you know, it, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It links really closely to what is your safeguarding culture and that's dependent on relationships and communication. And I can't emphasise that enough. You know, I go into schools a lot of the time and the schools where safeguarding is good, it, it starts with those two things. Essentially, I think there's sort of four interlinking or concentric circles around the, the findings. Um, and you've got children and their needs at the centre. Are we making sure that we treat behaviour as communication? What does behaviour and attendance and approach say about what is going on for them? Um, there's a bit more about attendance and, you know, assuming it's because of a, a medical need or a disability rather than thinking actually is something else going on for that child at home. Do we know about children's online lives, um, international online day this year was about you know asking children what goes on in your life online and the challenges that that presents to them how often do we just have an open and frank discussion with children about their online lives 
And I think the next circle around that is about staff and their approach. Do all your staff need to know what they need to do? know? And like we've said, do they have the confidence to apply what they know? Having built those trusting relationships with the children and young people in school. And our key staff, given that time to step back, that bigger picture, are they getting time to see all the information and look at a child and young person holistically? And that might need the support of reflective supervision. And again, I know that Connects have a reflective supervision course that, that schools can look at. And that helps man, um, manage the emotion of children's lives so it can be seen in the entirety. It's hard work, yeah, emotionally yeah. safeguarding. And I think that space to reflect often means that children are, are kept safe in a much better way. And then the other circle, and then we move on to uh, parents. How are you communicating and building relationships with them? I know that many schools have to manage difficult relationships with parents, but ultimately, I think we have to model how we would all like to behave. Lots of parents will be focused just on their child and not on the bigger issue. And sometimes it's to us to, to expand that, that view for them. And then finally, schools are part of a bigger system. So who do we have relationships with? Are you confident and competent in reaching out to them? Social care, police, third sector organisations. Who else can support you in your role as being one of those key people keeping children safe? Well, there's, there's lots to consider there, really, Debbie. I think for me, the, the standout piece is about um, making sure that we read behaviour is communication from children and, and, and that kind of perception is, is something that I've never really considered before. So thank you for sharing that. Is, is there anything else in the briefing that you think people should really know or focus on? Uh, well, at the end, there are a number of resources and they also summarise cases from 2008 to 2014. Um, do have a look at the resources and, and download the, the document. but. Um, what the cases between 2008 and 2014 highlighted were inappropriate relationships between staff and students and school culture. And that was particularly in relation to schools where in the past um, they put school and staff reputation before the abuse in, that children and young people had reported. So whilst, you know, and you and I have said this already, Georgie, mm. we hope that schools are, are there now and have safe, good safeguarding culture. And we hope that schools have eliminated those sorts of behaviours. It does still happen. And everybody in schools need to remain vigilant and report and whistleblow when necessary, when behaviours from adults towards children in our schools aren't good enough. Yeah, and, and I don't think I could say much more than actually we need to be aware, you need to speak out. If there's something you're concerned about, you have to speak out. And it could be that it's it's not anything, but at least you know you've done the right thing and, and you've caught something if, it, if it's necessary. So re yeah, really, really powerful conversation. So I would highlight and recommend everybody read the NSPCC Education Case Studies Report that was published in February. 
Um, it's got some um, important points and um, I'd encourage all sort of school heads to actually disseminate this um, around their schools as well. And thank you so much, Debbie, for taking the time. I know you've been busy and you've been in a school talking about what, what have you been talking about today? You were sharing I'm talking about racism and anti-racism with a year eight group this morning. Excellent. And and again, another important topic, which I hope we can unpack on, a, on another podcast. So thank you for joining us today. We've talked and touched on um, sort of safeguarding and partial care. And also as part of that, there's lots of sort of mental health challenges. I think we talk, talked and touched on that as well um, within um, the conversations around COVID. And I don't think the impact of that can be underestimated. Um, we are actually, Connects Academy are proud to be an approved DFE approved provider of senior mental health lead training and schools can actually have a free grant to pay for someone to be trained on senior mental health lead to help change and shift and support um, a positive whole school culture around that. So please find out more by visiting connectsacademy.com. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational or safeguarding. And hopefully you can access this on your daily commute or if you're practicing your own mental well-being for a walk or on your treadmill or as your focus for the day. Thank you for listening to us today. <laughs>